The Talking Point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. It is 8 minutes after 10 a.m. Welcome to the show. If you just join us, welcome. If you've been with us, thank you so much for staying with us. Uh, we're with you all the way till 12. Always an honor and a pleasure to be in your company. Today, I want to do a continuation of an important conversation we had last week, Monday. And that is a conversation on the decriminalization of sex work. You'll recall last week, Monday, we had a panel on this. And we spoke at, at a basic level what what the conversation is about. But there are elements of it that we couldn't touch on. For instance, I want to look at today the language we use when we speak about sex and sex workers. I want to speak about what the limitations of the law would be should the amendment go ahead and what what the legal considerations of the amendment should be. I also want to speak about the lived realities of sex workers because we don't often do that. In fact, how we've been having the conversation over the last couple of months, last couple of years, has been from a place of, I would say, parochial... Uh, heteronormative lenses that is to say we think of sex work only as a thing that happens between men and women and not as an industry that exists to the service of everybody who seeks to purchase and participate in the sex work industry so it is not just oftentimes when we even speak about the vulnerabilities of sex work it is not just women that are on the vulnerable end many men who are sex workers too find themselves being vulnerable especially queer sex workers so those are elements to the conversation I'd love to introduce today and, and explore. The decriminalization of sex work is, is a conversation that many people don't buy into. And I often think it is not because they have an ideological disposition towards disagreeing with it. I think it's just from a place of perhaps not always knowing enough. And this is why this conversation is important. I've got a fantastic, fantastic panel for you on this conversation. Uh, Deputy Minister of Social Development, Henrietta Zulu. She refers to herself as the chief sex worker of the country, but she's been a key, key activist uh, spearheading, for instance, from a government perspective, the decriminalization of sex work and, 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 and really charting the way for this bill. Uh, and I'm also joined by Tando Kumalo, who very importantly did her master's dissertation master's work looked at the decriminalization of sex work but simply speaking she's a lawyer an activist lawyer uh, i would call her i don't know if she calls herself that uh Tanda, good morning morning Oliver. how are you i'm good are you an activist uh lawyer uh, yeah i would describe myself as such deputy minister thank you so much for your time this morning really really do appreciate it maybe let me also ask you this uh, you're not actually a sex worker by profession you're a you're a public servant you're a politician you're a deputy minister why do you refer to yourself as chief sex worker Deputy Minister? Ooh, it seems like our line is not... Who, Deputy Minister is joining us over Zoom. Let's see if we can get the line back up. Uh, Deputy Minister, can you hear me? Ooh, okay. We'll, we'll try to get the Deputy Minister unmuted. The gremlins of, of Zoom still plagues us till this day. Um, Tano, let's start here uh, before we get into the substance of it. I read your paper. Amazing, amazing, amazing paper. But let's start here. Why sex work, especially during covid uh, something you chose to look at from from your research perspective? I think it's like you said, sex work is an issue that um, in this country we need to critically discuss because um, it's 
a lot of people don't understand sex work, right? And they don't understand um, even why we call it sex work. So previously it was called prostitution, mm. um, but we have now termed it sex work to bring into people's minds the idea that um, it actually is work, right? So it's providing your sexual services for um, money. So in other words, it is work. So for me, because I've always been interested in women's rights and all women, not just um, women whose careers I agree with or don't agree with, I want to um, make sure that I brought lights and um, wrote about a subject that I feel is very important, mm -hmm. particularly during COVID because so many sex workers' rights were actually violated during the COVID period. Yeah. Deputy Minister, do we have you now? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can, Oliver. Good morning. And oh. the listeners of this. Good morning. Thank you so much. Deputy Minister Henrietta Zulu of uh, Social Development is with us. Finally, uh, Deputy Minister, why do you refer to yourself as sex worker-in-chief? Well, I am the chief sex worker because I think sometimes we need to actually understand that we are all sex workers. And that is where we need to start by de uh, by understanding just that basic. We're all sex workers. The difference is that um, we find it easy to point at the ones that have chosen to actually be prepaid. And the other ones, like us, we married to the Zulus, you know, they put a ring, they paid uh, Ilobolo. And um, every time we fight, and that is every married couple, we fight, then we buy each other a gift, that's a transaction, and then, and then we make up, where does it end up? In the bedroom. So there was a transaction. So the minute we actually understand the fact that sex work, it's about a transaction. Mm. Mm. Give us a call if you want to be a part of this conversation, 86 Tanda, before we get into, again, the, the legal conversation, um, you raise an important point. Uh, the shift, uh, the dialectic shift from, from prostitution to sex work being an important one. I spoke to a sex worker on the show last week, and she said, I'm not a prostitute. Mm. And that, I thought, was incredibly profound. I learned from your work that the term prostitution is rooted in the evil of colonialism as well as apartheid, very specifically being language used uh, in law through the Mora Immorality Act that determined um, fascistly who can and cannot have sex and who they can and can't have sex with. Uh, that's what the Immorality Act aimed to achieve, right? Talk to us about that history around the term prostitution. I, I've always been opposed to the work, but not from... Oh, it comes from colonialism, apartheid. I, I never knew that history until I read your paper. But what I do know is that it's a word that people use for moral indignation, for to impugn and pass moral judgment on people who choose to make their occupation sex. Uh, talk to us about you the history of that term, uh, Tando, around sex work and, 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 and why it's important to dump the word prostitution altogether. Um, so I uh, Tando, please add, please add the issues around stigma. Uh, Oliver, yes, in the yes. long list read around yeah. how the word is of prostitution, it's also intended to stigmatize. Yeah, Tando. Yes, um, I think the Deputy Minister raises an important point. Um, prostitution, um, you know, began really early um, in South Africa. It actually began when, um, you know, the people were settling in the Cape 
rights um, and it was being taken over as a colony. Um, and what would often happen is that the passing seamen at the time would need um, entertainment, as they called it. And so this term prostitution was then, you know, um, used. And essentially, as time evolved, um, you found that, um, you know, your uh, women were, were supposed to be pure, as people would, would call it. And so, um, you know, they tried to use a term that would almost demean these sex workers, and that was the term prostitution, right? Um, and even as they... Um, you know, started to bring laws about like in the Immorality Acts, etc., um, that criminalized prostitution. Um, they used that particular word because um, at the time it was said that because these women were not pure and they were selling their bodies for sex, then of course, um, you know, we must give them a demeaning term firstly, but also um, just treat them in a demeaning way, right? Even um, when we had the syphilis outbreak, we actually found that um, it was uh, a lot of people within communities were actually suffering from syphilis, but sex workers were were, were blamed for um, syphilis and spreading diseases, etc. Um, and so you found that they've always had this negative connotation attached to what they do, whereas, um, you know, they've always provided a very much needed service. Mm. And so when we then moved into the 1970s, um, people started saying, you know what, we're going to call it sex work because we need to remove this um, stigmatization and this idea that... Um, um, you know, um, these women are somehow less in society than other women. They're just providing a service. Mm. They are giving you sex for a reward. Mm. And that's why we now call it sex work. Mm. Deputy Minister, the bill as it stands doesn't make use of the word prostitution. And I'm very happy of, of uh, for that and because of that. Um, can you just tell us about why that was very deliberate from a lawmaker perspective? It was deliberate um, from us uh, um, because we, we, as you've rightfully said, uh, I am a human rights activist and I, uh, I'm, I'm very conscious of the power of language. So mm. it doesn't matter what you change or what you introduce until you actually deal with the issue of language and having the right terminology in the law, then really uh, not much is happening. So as, as Tando has said, um, the whole 1957 Immorality Act, all of it has been repealed, and there's only three lines left. And these three lines are actually around, it's the ones that were decriminalizing sex work, a prostitution to be exact. So we need to actually, we're repealing that, the remaining three lines, and adding to what uh, she said as well, we also need to understand it was also not only about the sea people that are passing, it was also power relations between black and white. And the more, the yardstick that was used in 1957 was also the whole aspect that black women, uh, their sex will be determined. Hence, when you work as a domestic worker, a white man, which would be your boss, had the right to sleep with you as and whenever he likes. That comes from that particular act. So South Africans need to understand, we need to repeal that act because it's part of our um, history that we th that doesn't belong in the new democracy. Yeah. The second aspect, okay. No, 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 go the ahead, second, the second aspect. The second aspect uh, that, we are that we are amending, this one we are not repealing, we are amending, um, is the sexual offenses and related matters. Now, what that brings, firstly, it, 
it's the one that will remove the element of the criminal. We're not legalizing a, a, a sex work. It's very important for South Africans to understand the difference. We're decriminalizing it, which simply means removing the criminal aspect. Let the police go and do other work uh, and stop harassing women who are trying to make a living. And it has four different benefits, Oliver. The first one is the fact that we are recognizing sex work as work, as a profession that people can come in and out, like all of us. Tomorrow, you're not a presenter, you are somewhere else. It is professionalizing and recognizing sex work as a profession so that those that choose to be sex workers, they protected by labor laws as well. They can, you know, KUIF, they can be unionized, they can do whatever the benefits that every employee, every self-employed person does. Mm. And the second part is we expantiate. You know, there are people who have criminal records based on having been prosecuted for sex work or for prostitution. We need those records removed so that they are able to be without a criminal record. They can be employed, they can. So all of that must be expansion. That's what the law, uh, the act is saying. Mm. I think I'll give, um, um, I'll finish it off. Let me give your other panel some space. Yes. Tando, the minister speaks of not legalizing but decriminalization. You also very specifically use the term decriminalization and not necessarily legalize. Is there a difference in legal approach to what that means? Um, I think as the minister said, um, deputy minister said, um, it's uh, decriminalization involves, like she said, not no longer making it a criminal offense. Mm. Legalization would be a completely different um you know, area we'd embark on, which would I would argue would be a, a second um, a sort of leg to to um, ensuring that sex workers are treated fairly, um, and that would yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. Okay. I was just agreeing with you. You <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Tanda, okay. go ahead. And that would include, um, you know, making sure, for example, that they're protected by um, employment laws, etc. And so um, actually including them in legal frameworks that currently exist. Oh, and a regulatory body in of a, sorts would exactly, be born out of that, cetera, giving them certain statutory that. rights. Yes. Oh, okay, now I understand. I always thought it was an artificial distinction, but it matters. Mm-hmm. Tando, you also then speak about um, you know, expanding how we look at sex work and not just as a woman standing on the corner and a truck driver passing by and soliciting her services, but sex work, especially as a result of COVID-19, having expanded itself, the industry is different and looks vastly different from the archetype. Uh, talk to us about the different other forms of sex work that are equally as important that may not necessarily be in the traditional sense how we look at it. Um, I think... You know, when we're looking at, so other people would argue, for example, that certain online um, work would be considered sex work. But I think in the way in which it's defined, it is defined as prostitution currently in the in the um, in the act. Right. Mm. So um, although, um, you know, there is that argument of online, etc. Yeah. The the main definition would be around um uh, prostitution in general. But I think what I can add to that is that, um, you know, 
so often people will, will judge sex workers as um, these people who have no agency and are victims, etc. Like you're saying, standing on the side of the road, opening themselves to a, a truck driver, etc. But sex work is a little bit more broad and vast than that idea, right? We have to consider that the country in which we live in and the circumstances in which South Africa comes from, right? Which is that um, many black women who are a large number um, who partake in sex work um were actually oppressed in the past and black men as you've said who um actually women procure their services um and so it's and and sometimes women procure women right and and men procure men there's so many different um uh you know so, uh, services that um Absolutely. different people um give and so what we have to consider is that um you know we Unemployment is very high in South Africa. And so someone else would argue, oh, be a domestic worker, be this. There's domestic workers that are sitting without work. There are people who are sitting without factory work that are sitting without um, different kinds of work. And so people have chosen to use sex work as a means for um, them to actually get money, right? And so you find that these people are able to take care of their households. They're able to change the trajectory of their family. They're even able to educate their kids um, based on being able to do sex work and you find that even during COVID-19 and the hard regulations people were still trying to continue to um, you know be sex workers and that tells you that um, if even uh, in the most dire of situations people are still trying to put some food on the table it shows you that sex work is an industry that's not going anywhere um, what we're doing by continuing to criminalize this is we're continuing to open these women up to more violence and more oppression mm. um, and and so th um, that's really the idea around looking at sex work differently if that makes sense COVID-19 was interesting because uh, an element that it introduced that, that made the world really aware of it is that sex workers provide a service beyond just penetrative sex sometimes. Exactly. They provide an opportunity of companionship yes. uh, and intimacy, which are not always penetrative in its nature. Exactly. It's not always about private parts acting together. Yeah. Um, and, and that element, that element of sex workers <laughs> having to listen to somebody's life story and their stresses and stuff like that became an essential part of the service that they were able to turn that into a commodity through the um, advent of, of, of online uh, platforms. You want to speak about that a little bit? Uh, Sorry. Uh, no, I was saying, uh, yes, Minister. I was, yes, no, Minister. I was saying, you know, uh, as Tando will be answering, it's uh, very important. I spoke about the power of language. I think Part of why I refer myself as a cheap sex worker is so I don't say these people, mm, you know, mm. because you are a human rights lawyer. The minute you say these people, you're adding in any event, uh, the intentions are good, but you're removing them from yourself. You are putting them in a box that says you guys are there and I'm here. And, and those are some of the things when, when we talk about human rights, and I can relate to that as a disabled person, because everybody will say these disabled people because they don't see themselves as disabled. Just, Oliver, to continue to contextualize yourself uh, for you and mm -hmm. to say to Tando, one critical aspect of human rights, you need to see yourself in the middle of everything. Mm. Tando? 
Um, thank you for that point, Minister. I think um, I d when I say these people, um, it's, it was just a manner of speaking. However, if it did come across as removing myself from there, then that definitely was not my intention. Mm -hmm. I think in me writing about sex work and in me continuing to advocate for sex work, I definitely see myself as part of the people. Um, I'm black, I'm a woman, I'm oppressed in South Africa. And um, that makes my identity very closely linked to that of sex workers. Um, and so, yeah, um, if it came across in the wrong manner, then my apologies. But like I said, that was not my intention. Um, but yeah, speaking of what you're saying, Oliver, I think um, even just most people think that that phenomenon began before COVID, I mean, began during COVID-19. But actually, um, sex workers have been... Um, a lot of them, uh, when you read the stories of sex workers, you'll um, realize that they actually um, often describe that some of their clients actually don't want sex. They just actually want them to, you know, sit next to them and to listen to their problems or to just hold them, you know, etc. Um, which does show you that there there is a need for this service, you know, um, a sense of companionship um, um, w that some people don't have. Um, and so... Uh, to, to deny that this exists um, is really not being in touch with reality. Um, and I think something else that I want to bring up um, that uh, in COVID-19 that was brought about, of course, um, you know, um, sex workers had to find different ways of ensuring that they earned money, etc., um, because of, you know, uh, human contact being difficult. But I think something else that we're also missing as South Africans is the idea that, um, in fact, even with some of the HIV work that was done mm -hmm. um, prior to COVID-19, that slowed down during COVID-19, and there's actually statistics that prove that. And so it opens um, uh, sex workers. And, and so, for example, some of them couldn't access the ARVs, et cetera, et cetera. And so it opens them up to more... Um, exploitation as well and and obviously increases the chances of them um, you know dying because of the disease etc so I think I just want to uh, also highlight that mm -hmm. give us a call 86 if you'd like to be a part of the conversation uh, you can also send us a WhatsApp voice note uh, on 0614104107 but we're taking your calls on 86 2032086000232. On the other end of this, I want us to speak about exploitation. Uh, Deputy Minister Zulu has, has has pointed out to some of those 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 exploitative practices uh, that happen. But I want us to speak about exploitation and the limit in its in its relation to the limitation of the law. To what extent will the law be able to protect? Uh, and safeguard sex workers from exploitative behavior practices and persecution? Um, and in what ways will it not? Uh, where does the law fall short? And where does uh, social activism and social consciousness fill the gap? 086-000-2032. That is the number to dial. Give us a call. It's half past 10. Let's take your headlines with Anne Musa. SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. Give us a call, 86 um, Tanda, when you, um, we spoke about exploitation just before that and, and, and various uh, permutations of the conversation came up. And Deputy Minister, you earlier on spoke about uh, in ways uh, through which uh, sex workers are persecuted, especially by the police. How, how do you imagine the law stopping that? And to what extent, Deputy Minister? Okay, um... 
Firstly, uh, one the, the other parts, which is where I left, let me pick up from there because it talks directly to that. What we need to understand is that at the moment, as a sex worker, whether you are harassed, whether you are raped, whether the police has, you know, harassed you, whether the, the pimp has done anything to you, whether you are kept in a brothel without your will, you, you, you cannot go and actually access justice. Because after all, you yourself and the profession that you practice, it's illegal. And everybody takes a, um, that as, 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 you know, like something that they use against you. Mm. So the law will be able to remedy that. Uh, the sexual offenses and related matters will be able to remedy that. And the decrim is, is, is important and it's agent. But what I need to, uh, to also say, South Africa, the law does not and will not be increasing sex work. So nobody will be forced into sex work because the law acknowledges that we are talking about two consenting adults. The minute you, one of the parties is not consenting, the law is very clear. It's rape, that's period, because you've used your power to be able to coerce somebody else that is not interested in the trade, you know, that is not interested in having sex with you. So there is a clear, uh, and it would be covered by other laws, whether you are sex work or not. But today, um, or over the years, as a sex worker, when I arrive at the police station, and sometimes I'm arrested, uh, you know, in my full uh, regalia, because I was at work, then I'm already judged and uh, not receiving justice. Actually, because I can, I, I won't be able to go and report anyway. But Oliver, part of also why, where, where, where the law stands, is that once we have sorted out and we are grant, uh, we, we, Parliament grants us uh, the decriminalization uh, uh, part, then we go into regulations. Mm. Now, the regulations will be very, very detailed in terms of every level fine print. So what, 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 what would it, it look like? Obviously, firstly, as, as when you do law, when you make law, you start with the first thing. So this is where we are now. We need to get that. Um, the, the act repeals, we need to get the correction of the language. We need to get the criminal aspects uh, removed. We need to get the area around access to services Right, we need to be to get the issues around the definitions of sex work and the related corrections around everything related to that, and we need to deal with um, the aspects around the protection. And if you would remember, the NSP, the gender-based violence and femicide NSP three, pillar three, talks directly to issues around what we must do to protect sex workers. And this law is actually giving effect to that. But also, uh, Oliver, we must never forget, uh, adding to what Tando was talking about, let me just say the issues around digitalization and um, the what sex work actually contributes to the restoration of families. The very exact, exact thing where you said, it's not about sex all the time, but it's about companionship because when Zulu comes to the house, 
I'm shouting all the time. Yes, the bills. Yeah, the kids. We actually begin to lose that love and that because we have now life happening. He can go and and actually get somebody that he's not going to be fighting over the children and the electricity and the minimum. So it's important <laughs> for us. Yes, because mm. the law allows us that. But the law also will be removing the middleman. That is very important that the law as it stands now, that act will be removing the middleman, the pimp, uh, so that uh, my body can be my business. And because at the moment, people think the law is going to be formalizing the brothels and is going to be giving the pimps more powers. Actually, the law is getting rid of the pimps. Mm. And actually, the law will enable us to begin to actually deal with human trafficking and be able to address that, like nip it in the bud. Because at the moment, it happens more to the issues where women are taken and are exploited in terms of uh, sexual related. That remains a crime. Mm. So this law will not be actually uh, saying, but the difference is, as and when it happens, sex workers will have legal protection. Um, mm. Let me also say, um, we are not as a country. I mean, we uh, have come a long way, uh, Oliver, and the law has enabled us. One, we are able to terminate pregnancies as women. Mm. It's my body, I decide whether I wanted this child or not. It is the same body that I decide who I'm going to have sex with. Is it a woman? Is it a man? Also, who I'm going to marry. It's the same body. Mm. It's the same body where the law enabled me not to be arrested for a cannabis, for an example, for personal use with the acknowledgement that there will always be cannabis use. And we know to the extent of how drugs actually contribute to the industry of sex work. Mm -hmm. So we will be enabling sex workers to access services in our free rehab facilities, but to also benefit in terms of the aftercare services yeah i want to pause uh, you there because that that conversation about agency is one i want to circle back to um i want to speak about what agency is and looks like and what and and and, and why people are so selective about agency uh but 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 before i do that i want to bring into the conversation jacqueline Fourie. she's from uh small voice human trafficking jacqueline you've been listening the deputy minister made an argument about how the law and the bill will enable them to go into a a a, a mode of uh, you know, configuring regulations that will deal very specifically uh, with the, you know, how the industry works, for instance, uh, getting rid of uh, middlemen, which we'll call brothels and pimps, um, and importantly as well, how it assists to deal with human trafficking. But y your organization is opposed to that, uh, uh, to, 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 to the legalization or the decriminalization of sex work, uh, saying that it does exact opposite. Do you want to respond to what the deputy minister said? Jacqueline? Oh, it seems we don't have Jacqueline anymore. Jacqueline, can you hear me? 
Okay, we've lost her. Uh, but give us a call, 086-000-2032, if you'd like to add and contribute to the conversation. Uh, I do welcome all of your contributions and your call and your questions. Tando, why, why are we... I mean, this is both a difficult and an easy question to answer, right? Um, easy because it's intuitive, difficult because it's also like... It speaks to the psyche of the human being that is just not always able to be made sense of. Why do people want to moralize sex i mean i think it's for a number of reasons and like you say it's a difficult question to answer and i don't think any answer i would ever give would encapsulate the full you know history and and reasoning yes. why but i think on a very basic um and i suppose an, an elementary answer that i can give is just that um you know we've seen through history around the world um, that, you know, um, in particular, um, women's bodies and in particular, um, you know, the bodies of those who are in minorities, um, like the LGBTQ, etc., um, you know, um, communities are often, um, we want to police how they um, engage in sex and how they, um, you know, um, decide to, um, in like to to use um, what is actually um, their own body, um, and and so we've then become uh, begin to attach a morality to it because you know even in just simple things like in uh, social circles, a man who slept with a lot of women won't be as judged as much as a woman who slept with a lot of men, and so because the sex industry is made up of a, a large number of women, it's like how dare they. Um, have agency over their bodies and sell sex so freely, you know, mm. because we we must punish them to be these pure uh, individuals who who can't decide how they they use their bodies. They must preserve themselves and be innocent. Um, it's also attached to religion, right, etc. Because it's almost this idea that um, you know can only have sex um, during marriage, etc. And, you know, so many other religions persecute women for choosing to have um, agency over their own bodies. So there's a lot that informs morals. Mm. Um, and like I said, my answer will never encapsulate everything. Yeah. But I think those are just some of the ideas. I asked that question very specifically because I got a text here saying from somebody saying, I don't agree with this law because now our children is going to be interested in sex working rather than being educated. I mean, that's also such a very narrow view because, first of all, like I said, sex work is a form of work, right? And so when we look at it um, and we demean um, the work that they do, um, it's problematic within its own um, rights. But there's also a lot of edge. The people, you can also, um, it, it's, it's, it's very... I, I would, I don't, I want to use the right word, but it's, I think it's too simple to say, you know, because there's this law, now people are going to want to do this, you know, mm. like when we legalized, um, you know, um, gay marriage, is it now that, um, okay, everybody's now going to want to be gay, that it, it makes no sense, the correlation is not there, right, right, Um 
if your child was going to prioritize education and then go for another career that um, links to their education, then that's what they were going to do. You know, if your child, um, and there's a lot of educated, unemployed people, let's yeah. also point and there that out. there are a lot of educated sex workers. And there are educated, people. exactly, who, who are um, very educated. In fact, even uh, establishments that are, um, because there's di even different tiers of sex workers, they are very um you know, uh, elite establishments which um, procure the services of um, sex workers who are actually educated because you find that that particular clientele are people who um, want sex workers who are educated and sex workers who um, maybe portray themselves of a different class, etc. Mm -hmm. And so we're missing all of those elements. Um, mm. I think it's too simple to go from one to the other when we're not looking at all the different nuances. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would it be correct, Deputy Minister, to say this is what the law is trying to achieve? The law is not saying go and be a sex worker. The law is simply saying if you, or at least the bill, if you want to be a sex worker, we will not stand in your way. Deputy Minister? That's what the law's intention is. But let us start like I agree with Tando. You don't the law is recognizing what already exists and the law is protecting those that are in the industry but we must also not look at sex work like eh, eh, it's only the disparate ones that go there no it's, they are only there for economic reasons because they are unemployed wara, wara, wara. Uh -uh. some of us are in sex work because we want to mm. the same way i mean i'm a politician you are a it's, it's not only disparate people um, mm. uh, who are trying to put no. For some of us, it's work. That's the profession I chose and professions change. So the next uh, week, I don't want to be a deputy minister anymore. I want to be a cleaner. So I should be able to, to, you know, to go in and out. But the law also make it, the, the intention of the law is intended to make sure that there is, what would I call, there is an acknowledgement that these are women first, and then this is their profession, and they have families. So it also goes a long way, Oliver, in the protection of children. Mm -hmm. uh, if somebody says, the intention of this legislation is also to protect children. Because no sex worker sits there and says, my child, I would like you to be a sex worker. It just doesn't work like that. Mm. Um, at the moment, there's a lot of children who are sex workers. And I can say how Sisonke and Sweat has assisted us. The sex workers that are at all levels has enabled us to rescue children who are under the age of 18 off the street because they don't want children in the street either. Mm. And unless we partner with them, we won't know the corners. And we have an amazing partnership, which says to us, the manner in which we've crafted the bill, we are beginning, it's still going through um public comments and reminding Oliver the public yes. that uh, tomorrow will be the last day. Please send those inputs 
and uh, process issues. If you miss tomorrow, Parliament will be uh, calling for more public hearings uh, so that everybody has an opportunity. So that's, uh, that's the process. But we want to decriminalize this so that we are able to actually up the matter around statutory rape. Mm, mm, so mm. you go and then we find children under the age of 18 and um, you are, we are going to prosecute and set this legislation will enable us to actually have sex workers as witnesses without them having to disguise to be something else. Mm-hmm. Come such, I'm a sex worker. I was standing at that street corner. I saw this child, and this is the person that took the child. Blah, 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 blah. Because at the moment, they are unable mm-hmm. to stand. We, they tell us the children as social development, and then we, we struggle to prosecute because when you prosecute uh, the issues around children, there must always be witnesses. So we rescue the child, but we are unable to prosecute. And this legislation is going to enable us to be able to prosecute and for sex workers to be witnesses. Mm. Give us a call, 086-000-2032. On the other side of this, I'm going to take a quick break, but on the other side of this, I'll be taking your calls, Pindile, as well as Justice. Let's take a quick break. Hey, guys. Do you know about the power of your imagination? Use the power of your mind. A world of wonders you will find. Welcome to an exciting new series on SABC2. Join Zizi and Hannibal in the world of wonders and get ready for fun adventures and lots of crazy animals. Crystal Palace demonstrated that home ground advantage still prevails when they forced a one-all draw against Manchester United at Sellers Park Stadium with a late equaliser in the first stanza of Premier League action in January. This time, drama shifts to Old Trafford. Will the Red Devils level up with victory? Rashford has a go. Brilliant. Oh, what a strike. Absolutely sensational. Or will the Eagles fly back to their palace with jubilance? The home of global stars, the Premier League encounter between Manchester United and Crystal Palace on Saturday, 4 February, live at 4 p.m. on S3. Hashtag We Love It Here. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. For the love of the game. SMS SAFM now on 41391. Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. We have Jacqueline Fouri back on the line. She's from Small Voice Human oh, Trafficking. Jacqueline, you wanted to, I asked you earlier if you were keen to respond to the minister, Deputy Minister's arguments around how uh, this bill helps in the prosecution of, of, of sex traffickers um, and, 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 and those who take advantage of children in particular, especially when it comes to uh, trafficking. Um, do you, do you want to, do you had a listen at that? Do you want to respond to it? Uh, hi, Oliver. Hi, Deputy Minister, Kandu, and all the listeners. Um, thanks for the opportunity. And yes, please, Oliver, please. <laughs> I've got a lot to say. Um, I'm come, basically, I come from a background of working in human trafficking, anti-human trafficking, trafficking in persons. And we all realize that 
with this new bill that I want to implicate, they say it's going to bring down trafficking of persons, but with all honesty, it's not. They can say it's going to bring down, there's going to be laws to protect. And I do want to go into that part as well to say why we say as a collective, as a coalition, um, we have quite a few organizations and survivors that stands against this bill. I think I want to start with saying that we need to realize that the bill that I want to implicate is full decriminalization. We want to clarify, we are not against decriminalization, but we are against full decriminalization. Um, we stand for part of the decriminalization. And the government keeps on saying they're going to implement what, laws. What, 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 does, what does that look like okay. very, very briefly? What is partial decriminalization? Uh, okay, briefly, if I can summarize it basically in one sentence, Partial decriminalization is criminalizing the buyers, criminalizing the third parties. So first, remember, the deputy minister said the third parties are basically going to fall away. The middle man is going to fall away. So um, according to one, that part is away. So we're going to, or the partial decriminalizes prostituted persons. So you can sell, it's legal to sell, but it's illegal to buy. So it's why should illegal it re- for Why the should buyers. it remain that way? Not uh, with part the decriminalization or the criminalization. Why should why should it remain Reuters. illegal? Why should it remain illegal to buy? Because oh, oh yeah, we are against the exploiters. We are against the buyers for the for the simple reason that they are exploiting people. They are buying the sex, and the moment you say okay, we're going to decriminal decriminalize sex work, and you're going to get an expansion of a demand for sexual services. It's going to expand. It's going to increase. What evidence With do you have increase, to, 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 to substantiate that? There's a, there's a lot of reports on our website. Please go check it. There's a lot of reports done. There's a lot of research done, especially in countries where legalization has taken place or where a full decriminalization has taken place. And most of those say straightforward, there's no proof or no evidence. And we can say okay. the same for the government. Please prove or show us the research that you did in south africa there's not a lot of research the only research that's really been done in south africa except uh, besides the point of human trafficking and dr michelle just released an explosive document or report about the human trafficking scope in south africa that is much bigger than anyone is saying we want to also add the government did do a study or a report in 2017 the south african law reform commission did a whole report it took them 13 years and it was a lot of people involved a lot of women involved different areas different spheres and the conclusion of that report states clearly that south africa cannot go full decriminalization okay either stay criminalized or make it partial decriminalized i'm going to pause you there tando let's take a look at where decriminalization of sex work has happened before new zealand is a good example you look at in your paper do you want to reflect on that Yes, definitely. And I think I also want to respond to a little bit of what she is saying in, in speak in sorry, I wanna respond as well to some of what, what she is saying in, in speaking to that um to the New Zealand model. Um the South African uh, um, may, maybe Tando, let's start I would appreciate sorry, Oliver. I think we need to talk about before we get into the countries, can we talk about partial criminalization decriminalization? Oliver, so that we don't leave Yes, I, I, I do. We know we're certainly going to come back to that uh, and, and compare the two models. But uh, the argument that uh, Jacqueline is making that uh, if you if you decriminalize it, you'll see an expansion in demand, uh, which will lead to an expansion uh, of 
uh, exploitation, right? And so I think a case study comparison is useful in, in answering that question. That's why I asked Tando about the New Zealand uh, case study. Um, and I think I'll cover both, right? Um, and um, the minister, can, uh, deputy minister, can step in where she um, wants to. But um, you know, uh, we know that the South African Law Reform Commission reports um, recommended that we don't um, get uh, do away with criminalisation. And in fact, uh, their second suggestion was partial criminalisation, which, as we know, is the Swedish model. But um, you know, in looking at the New Zealand model, which um, has a similar history to South Africa, actually, in 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 the sense of um, uh, uh, criminalizing sex work um, for a very long time, etc. We find that New Zealand has been successful in decriminalizing sex work and not only are sex workers um, a lot safer in their profession, but they're also their health is a lot, has improved and is a lot more protected and we don't actually see an increase in the demand for um, uh, human trafficking, etc. And so this is a proven model that actually works in New Zealand and can actually be um, applied equally in South Africa. And to what she is saying, um, the reason why um, sex trafficking and those who work in sex trafficking know um, that the, um, one of the ways in which it thrives is in being underground, is in um, uh, partaking in um, criminal and unlawful activities. And so when you continue to make sex work underground, when you continue to make it criminal, where people can't come forward, as the minister has said, they can't come speak up because they fear they're own prosecution, what you are in fact doing is you're aiding um, uh, trafficking. And and that's why the report is showing that there's so much high trafficking right now. Yeah. Uh, So Jacqueline, I'll give you one minute again to to make the argument. If I were to procure sex from a sex worker now, why does that make me an exploiter? Oh, sorry. Sorry, muted myself. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. We, we, we spoke to numerous survivors. Most of us, those that grew, basically joined our group, are survivors that come from the system. And they say they are being exploited. This is not work. And I think the whole meaning or the whole focus of this section was about the terminology can you, can you, sex okay, work, right? So can, I, can I ask you to quickly define yeah. what you mean by exploitation? Exploitation is the using of somebody's body or services that uses or exploit or basically it's costing them something it's not they're not getting something back they are not being um they don't have a dignity in this and people are going to fight me on this there's no dignity on it not one prostitute that we spoke to or prostituted person we spoke to say there's dignity in it there's no you can't change it many studies i've read of hundreds and thousands of sex workers being spoken to who do not say that their dignity is taken away their fears are around safety and health not around dignity there's indignity in criminalization exactly but it then means um jacqueline that all of us who are behaving sex in our marriages, uh, we are being exploited. It's simple as that. And I don't think exploitation, because here, this law talks about two consenting adults, not another person that has been taken against their will Mm. to have something. Because if you define a, a sex that you are, that means everybody that is having sex whether in their marriages, whether in fat and search, whether they, they, they're being exploited. 
So we are being exploited by our husbands. There's no dignity in us having sex in our marriages. And it's simple as that. It doesn't work like that. Mm. We we passed the determination of pregnancy. Mm. Did, did girls and uh, women run around and increase? We passed civil union. Did women and men, did gays all of, all of a sudden fill up South Africa and list? No, the world just doesn't work like that. And I mm. think just to um, also add quickly, sorry, that um, I think Jacqueline is speaking from an, um, an angle of she works in human trafficking. And so maybe the people, the study that she's doing is with people who've been forced into sex work um, and not necessarily exactly. consenting people who use their own agency to then enter into sex work. So I think it's also um, important to draw that distinction and also draw the distinction that decriminalizing allows these people who've been forced into sex work to come forward and say, I've been forced into sex work i don't want to do this and um not have someone say but you were doing sex work and so we're going to arrest you mm. that's unfortunately okay, also, unfortunately exit. unfortunately uh, it is hold on hold on unfortunately exit. it's a minute after 11 <laughs> that's all i i'm, I'm going to pause it there i want to go to the news and then i'll give us all uh, three minutes on the other side of this to just conclude this conversation it's a minute after 11 let's go to the news SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation. The talking point on SAFM. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Seven minutes after 11 o'clock, we are wrapping up the conversation we had on the decriminalization of sex work. Quite a lot that we got through. But I do want to take two calls before we uh, give, before I give my panel uh, all an opportunity to give their closing remarks. Spindile, uh, good morning. Hi, Oliver. Uh, uh, and the panel as well. Um, I am Spindile. I'm currently based in Devon. I'm a survivor in the system. Mm. You know, Oliver, I've been listening to people uh, talking and talking, but... Uh, all in all, I never heard the government what exactly is the solution because I don't think uh, decriminalizing the, 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 the prostitution will give us the solution. If you can look back, we here in Devon, we were having an issue where CMLE was killed by the, by the buyer and the, uh, oh, the, there was nothing happened. Mm. I know that when they're saying they're going to give them the fully decriminalization, it's because they want uh, them to be protected. But for me, I don't think they will be protected. If, you can, if I can tell you, most of the, most of the people who they, they are dealing with the ears of the system of prostitution, most of the survivors, they are, you know, they, 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 are, they are living with a severe drug addiction. Nothing government done about that. People are living with HIV, they are, they are living with trauma, they are living with the, the gender-based violence. They, even, they are also homeless. Government doesn't care about those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As survivors, if, uh, last time I was telling John Jeffrey to come and, and call us to go in, 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 in outreach to meet the ladies so that they can hear those stories from the ladies. They are there, it's not because they want to be prostitutes. Uh, the, the background, they push them to be prostitutes. That's why I'm saying I, I don't want to debate this thing with people who have never been out there 
listening the survivors the, 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 the ladies in the street most mm. of the people they are sitting in their offices listening to organization what they say to them i'm calling them i'm even calling the minister to come and and and, and call us to come to to go with her in in those ladies in the street so that she can hear from them not an organization Mm. And I am very disappointed how they are they, they are confident with their confidence saying uh, the ladies want to be sex work. Who said that? It's organization or are the ladies? Mm. Okay. The ladies are busy sitting in the street uh, waiting for them to come so that they can tell them what exactly is happening in the street. We don't want the crime. We want the exit, the, sol- the, the, the solution, in, so that everyone can the, can exit in the system. In the system, no one wants to live with the poverty. Let them. Let, let the government come to the people in the ground. Okay, Spindila, thank you so much for your call. Justice in PE. Hello, how are you? I'm well, Justice. Go ahead. Yes, Justice from Gwangu. I'm now in PE. Uh, I'm just we have a concern, Oliver. Uh, I, uh, I mean, there's a good topic I can say, but I'm just only having a concern. Because, uh, I heard you and the minister and that other lady there on the, this uh, topic saying uh, the truck drivers. I'm looking at the truck drivers. Right? So, but I'm just concerned when you say uh, a sex worker then comes with a, uh, the truck driver, you see. So then to me, it makes me something like, let's say my family or one of my friends or even my child, if he's listening, saying, oh, daddy's driving a truck. On the other way around, it's with this uh, sex worker thing. So I'm just having a concern because of that. That's a fair That's a fair point. Thank you so much for that, Justice. Really do appreciate you raising that. Um, I mean, I use it as an example, right? Not, not to say that truck drivers uh, are all procurers of sex workers, uh, if that's not uh, something you want to your industry to reflect on you. Uh, but it's an example that I think is an accessible one, because if you look at towns where there are, uh, where there are truck stops, for instance, you often find a vibrant sex worker industry in, in, in those sorts of places. And it's not an unusual phenomenon. But that doesn't at, at all imply that all, all truck drivers, uh, um, you know, make use of the services of sex workers. Uh, Minister, I want to give you a minute to, 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 to give us a closing remark and also in that reflect on, 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 on the call from Spindile. Spindile, um, you are talking about people that have been exploited. And those people are unable to access justice as we speak. And the decriminalization of sex work will enable them to get justice, unable to access services. And I just want to say, if there's one person in this country that has done a roadshow, not only of the elite, but as the ground um, talking to sex workers, it's me, without fear or favor. So there's difference that we must make, eh, Oliver. Those that are exploited and those that want to be in the industry and who want to be professionalized. Whether they sell at the street corner, whether they sell in a brothel, let people have protection, access to justice, access to services, and we do provide exit strategies Mm. also for those that don't want to be sex workers. We sell our services, our minds, our hands, and allow sex workers to sell their own bodies by choice. Thank you. Deputy Minister, thank you so much. Uh, Tando, closing remark? 
My closing remarks would be that I want to highlight um, the great work of organizations like SWEAT and Sisonke um, that have, and even my own um, supervisor, Kathy Albertson, who've really been at the forefront of making sure that this decriminalization topic comes to the fore and that the government has finally brought this forward. I think we have to consider that sex, works are, sex workers are human beings just like us who also deserve protection just like us. They are, as Upindile has highlighted, um, uh, sex workers, some of them are exploited and some of them choose to do sex work out of their own agency. But what we need to do is ensure that because of the work that they've chosen, that they don't continue to endure violence. And some of that violence is even perpetuated by police. And um, once we decriminalize, we ensure that we um, actually um, give them access to justice and we ensure that they don't continue to live in conditions that are not favorable to them. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Tanda, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your academic input and thank you so much for uh, your selfless research. Uh, Minister Henrietta Zulu, really appreciate your time uh, on the platform as well. We're going to have to leave it there. It's 15 minutes after 11. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we have a very, very important conversation about grave malfeasance and dysfunction at a hospital in KwaZulu-Natal. More on that on the other side of this.